Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you are listening, you are listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKinty. This episode was recorded on June 9th, 2022. My guest on the show today is author, artist, and dancer Marae Hieronymus. Her work focuses on the application of mythological constructs through art, with an emphasis on understanding the need for a reintroduction of initiation ritual into the now predominantly materialistic Western worldview. Though most of her career has been spent producing interpretive dance performances promoting this message, her book, Systems of Indoctrination and the Wild Rose of the Soul, details through the written word many aspects of modern culture that serve to alienate the human spirit while assimilating the vast majority into a hierarchical, patriarchal society that serves the interest of the few. From her perspective, a reintroduction to the ways of ceremony in general, and rites of passage in particular, represent the medicine necessary to heal the human race after generations of systemic oppression. The first half of the book describes systems of indoctrination, and details how modern methods of education, medicine, and mass media propagation are used as tools of colonialism to indoctrinate unwary victims into materialistic epistemologies that preclude pathways to individuation and personal liberation. In part two, The Wild Rose of the Soul, Murray offers solutions to this cult-like behavior, citing Jungian archetypes, shamanic practices, and ancient mythologies as sources for a natural wisdom tradition capable of empowering the knowledgeable practitioner with the ability to break the chains of psychological oppression. She ultimately offers meditation techniques to help integrate the mind and the body, developing a holistic belief system that does not separate the material and the spiritual. Her written work provides an intellectual context from which to comprehend the physical movement and imagery portrayed through the interpretive dance choreography, definitive of the bulk of her artistic career. Stay tuned for this conversation that will delve into the nexus between art and intellect as we explore the need to reintroduce ancient knowledge through the creation of modern ritual. We will discuss just why Murray believes it is so important to provide a ceremonial context within which to delineate major life changes, such as entering into adulthood or becoming a parent, and how these rites of passage can help break the cycle of violence that has held the bulk of humanity under a veritable spell of psycho-spiritual oppression for generations and even millennia. Find out more about the work of Murray Hieronymus at www.thesacredbody.earth. As always, if you like what you're hearing, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast throughout your social media network. We rely on listeners like you for the distribution of this alternative content. You can find hours of free content, discover more about The Shift, and sign up for the newsletter by going to www.theshiftnow.com. You can also find my written work at the Populous Papers blog on Substack. Become part of the conversation by friending Doug McKenty on Facebook, follow at McKenty on Twitter, or subscribe to The Shift with Doug McKenty on YouTube, Rockfin, or Odyssey. Without further ado, I'd like to thank artist and author Murray Hieronymus for agreeing to this interview, and thank you for helping to make The Shift. Hey everyone, and welcome to this, the 123rd episode of The Shift. I'm your host, Doug McKinty. I am joined today by uh, artist, author, and dancer, Marie Hieronymus. I hope I, did I say that right, Marie? Yes, Marie. Marie. Okay, perfect. Uh, Yep, I was wondering. Um, And uh, I'm excited we were just laughing before the show uh, because uh, I'm I'm happy to be talking these last couple episodes more about the the spirituality. Uh, Marie is an artist. So we're going to be getting into um, art 
art and mythology, I think a little bit, art, mythology, and initiation practices today. Um, and uh, I think these conversations can be a little, hopefully a little bit more uplifting than a lot of the hard politics that I get into on the show, uh, oftentimes, as many of you know. So uh, looking forward to this conversation, and we'll just let Murray uh, start it off. Do you want to give a little bit about your background and a little bit about your, your philosophy, especially in terms of, of the art that you do? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's mm-hmm. an honor to be here and to, in any way, speak about the work that I have been doing and trying to share with the world. So I really appreciate this conversation um, and the opportunity to have it with you. Um, so I, yeah, I, I am a dance artist and that's been my um, professional and also sort of soul calling um, and that, and more recently I've become a mother. So I'm, I'm also actually, I've stepped outside of the spectrum of dance art and creation for the greater part of, well, two years. I, I did a few pieces um, right after my son was born. Um, and then of course, uh, 2020, the great 2020 hits. So, right. um, so I really have shifted. We've had a lot of personal stuff, moving states and um, getting out of New York City and all kinds of stuff. So, but I, for about 17 years, I was I was in New York City as a movement artist, artist a dance artist with a lot of, um, I would say visual um, and um, mythical, inspiration that that I would use in the work that I would do a lot of the work that I've done is I I've always called it a ritual based and um mm-hmm. and I think I was called to do that work because for my own self there was a part of me that was really craving sort of rites of passage and initiation that my culture, our culture, the world that we are living really didn't provide for me. And so at a very early age, I was really clear on that. I had read some Joseph Campbell. Uh, My mom actually gave me some tapes of uh, Joseph Campbell and they had a profound effect upon me. And I remember listening to a particular uh, passage within those, these were cassette tapes. And um, just being blown away by by the recounting of a ritual initiation, a rite of passage, uh, where adolescents were becoming, moving into maturity. And it just blew my mind. It blew my mind. And it was something that I longed for. And and that's something that I didn't have. None of us really have had, I think, in this culture. So uh, that really started my journey, I think, in a more conscious way. And I kind of filed that away. And I went to art school, actually. And then I went to um, grad school as a dancer. And um, and I've done a lot of somatic work. A lot of my work is based on somatic uh, movement and understanding, which is really a deeper sort of embodied experiential exploration of your own system mm-hmm. and and it intertwines with uh spiritual practices uh physiological understandings of awakening and um and then also um 
with mythology and archetype. And then of course the rite of passage and the ritual work that I've um, been engaging. Were you, I just read a little bit of, of your uh, history uh, in the blurb as a part of the book, but you were, you were raised in a, like a, in a commune in the, in the, in the Northeast somewhere or. I was born on a commune, um, a commune called Savitria commune in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. And it did um, break apart about when I was around four um, as those things <laughs> Right, as they do. <laughs> as they do. <laughs> so, but there was that, you know, intentionality, and um, and I'm sure it was kind of messy and wild, and um, <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's where where I was born, and it was a very interesting community. I think um, I don't have full memory of it. I love seeing pictures. You know, it's a different time and place. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, a commune. And out of that, um, there was a school, actually the Waldorf School of Baltimore was born. It was the okay. parents of uh, the commune there that then moved to found that school. First it was, I believe it was called the New Morning School. And then it transitioned into the Waldorf School of Baltimore, which was where I went. So um there was a community there outside of Baltimore, two communes actually that were sister communes, Savitria and Koinonia. And um, these were, this was um, more in the kind of, I would say, Western mystic tradition. Okay. And uh, with a lot of yogic influence, you know. Cool. And um, bringing in different yogic teachers and, and mysticism of the East. And so um, I, I've, I've been kind of swimming in that world and that kind of that imagery and um, different understandings of spiritual paths for for a very long time, which I feel like has helped me understand um, what it's what it's about. <laughs> right. I, I don't think a lot of people understand, actually, because they haven't had the opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, I asked because you talk about systems of indoctrination and I think in the book you discuss education and the public education yeah. system, which is, that was actually where, I mean, that was where I was raised really um, uh, in a kind of a more traditional American family. My parents were a little bit older, so they were sort of of the fifties generation. So they were even kind of pre-hippie, you know, in their outlook. And I just went to public school and and my kind of uh, it was a it was a long journey to go from from that level of indoctrination that my family had to uh, having this realization that the world is a very different place and recognizing that that way of being raised. Of course, we all have our challenges as we figure out more and more about yeah. what's going on. But, but yeah. um, it is amazing how powerful those systems are. And I think uh, Waldorf and and other other educational systems. I mean, I've done interviews about unschooling and homeschooling and things like that. And just trying to wake people up to like, Hey, yeah. we've got to get our kids out of these indoctrination camps and start teaching them this entirely different way uh, of thinking about the world, which includes like you're saying, and I it was, I was in college when I was introduced to the work of Joseph Campbell, but you know, these, this understanding of things on these deeper psychological levels on the level of archetype and mythology and start bringing some of this back into our culture. Um, and when so many of us have no idea about thinking about life on that depth, you know, on that level. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and when you have children, um, it comes to a whole nother, another level of sort of, oh my God, how are how am I going to save my child from <laughs> right. um, this system, these systems? Yeah, and um, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I want to add, it's funny because I, you know, I don't even consider myself a, a writer and, and suddenly I've been writing all of this stuff. Right. It seems like you're actually fairly prolific, at least on the blog and, and the number of books that you've, that you've managed to put out. So congratulations. <laughs> I, you know, it's just been a way to process um, the, the goings on in the world and, um, um, and to make sense of it for myself. Yeah. And that's really how it began. And also because, you know, I, I do live a creative life and when, um, and that's sort of such an important part of my, of my health really. Um, and I think of all, for all of us to be creative, how do we engage our creative energy, you know, and this, this leads back into, you know, the ways that we've been indoctrinated. But so when, when 2020 came and I, I really uh, stopped dancing fully, um, and I'm, I've been teaching and such. Uh, but I need another outlet as well, and and writing provided a, a really perfect way for me to kind of, you know, when my uh, son was asleep, uh, did I, I could just suddenly, you know, I could just quickly jot down my thoughts, um, or just emote, or just kind of try and tap more deeply into what I was feeling about what was going on in the, the crumbling <laughs> of our, yeah. our world. So, yeah. Um, well, it's just been so uh, outrageous to me how since 2020, especially, I mean, a lot of this, I come at things more from the history and, and politics angle, um, but it stopped being theoretical and it started to be uh, so real as the politics, um, I mean, just the imposition, the, the actual stripping of, of freedoms, um, the realization that so many people were indoctrinated to the point where they would just unquestionably follow uh, a lot of the, the COVID rules and whatnot without having any kind of public discussion about things. It was like, if the authority figure says it, then it must be true. You know, if you disagree with the authority figure, then you're spreading misinformation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're not we're not allowed to have a conversation about it. You get shamed if you're you know if you're questioning the authorities. Um, and and just suddenly things shifted into a real very dangerous time from my point of view. And so it seems like um, we're shifting from a time of thinking, you know, into a time of action, really. Yeah. So the more we can get this kind of information out there. Um, and I think what you bring up in the book, and if you could go into this a little bit more in detail, is this connection with all of it to um, our cultural mythologies. Um, mm -hmm. Because so few, I mean, starting with, with Joseph Campbell's work, and if people aren't familiar, they need to, they need to check it out. Um, but understanding that there's this... Um, this subconscious subtext that kind of runs through every culture and you can really uh, understand the, the archetypes and the mythologies that are at work here. And we're in uh, what I would describe as a very patriarchal culture or a very authoritarian, very hierarchical system. And we need to start figuring out, you know, what, what are some alternatives here, <laughs> right? And these are the things that you're touching on with, with your work. So, um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, why don't you just kind of describe the, the culture as you see it and, and some of the solutions that you're presenting in, uh, in the book and elsewhere in your work? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> great thing to think about. So uh, I, I feel the, the culture that we are existing in, I've always felt this way, um, but or as, as long as I can remember. And, and I think that that does go back to having um, the blessing of, of being in a very kind of free, uh, open space when I was young and embracing that space, mm-hmm. embracing nature, embracing the experiences that I was uh, blessed to have, um, embracing creativity, not being afraid to engage intuitive thought, um, not being afraid to dream, you know, the, the, the term, you know, oh, he's a dreamer, she's a dreamer. You know, this in our culture is, is really considered a slur, actually. Right. Um, but when you go, when you think about it, I mean, in, in many other cultures and in and cultures that honor wisdom traditions, to be a dreamer is a phenomenal gift to be a dreamer is, is an incredible, you know, um, mechanism that we are able to, you know, tap into deeper collective unconscious experiences to tap into archetypal and energetic realities Mm -hmm. and be able to feel deeper threads of what's actually occurring. And so I mean, just starting from that point of view, that the culture at large believes, you know, that the dreamer is is um, expendable. It's 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 ridiculous. So it's not going to get anything done. You know, it's not. It doesn't have any drive. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you know, you don't have any. Um, what about you know, uh, you know, what are you going to do? For for work how are you going to support yourself how are you going to more than that how are you going to feed into the engine of this culture and when you look at what this culture is feeding it's very clearly feeding a vacuous existence and i found it really incredible that um you know, there's a lot of people that say that they believe that, oh, yes, this is a mean, you know, this, there's a, there's a lack of meaning in our culture. There's a lack of, of um, respect for wisdom tradition. There's a lack of respect for uh, spiritual life or, okay, even if you don't even believe in spirit or soul, there's a lack of respect for in, for our inner world. You know, we are expected to conform into uh, these ways of being that oftentimes actually really destroy the life of the soul. Or, again, if you don't believe in a soul, which I do, and I speak in that language, and I think it's important to, but Mm I, we all have you know, our perspectives. And if one doesn't believe in a soul, okay, you still have an inner life. You still have an inner life. And you have an inner life from when you're born until you die. And maybe you don't believe that life goes on after, um, after death, but um, yeah, you know, uh, it's still relevant what is occurring in our inner landscape. So, um, 
Yeah, and that was re what really struck me in that first listening when I was 15 or 16 years old to this incredible passage in Joseph Campbell. And I just, you know, this, the inner life that these people uh, were had cultivated, this, the, um, and the, there's a lot of sarcasm also on a, in our culture. Um, and that sarcasm prevents us from actually being able to engage the language, I think, of spirit and soul, or again, the inner life. This yeah. sarcasm is really born of like an intellectual arrogance, you know? Sure. In my sarcasm is just this, you know, it's overly intellectualized. There's no feeling, there's no heart, there's no... Uh, um, understanding that the that the intuitive life is also valuable and actually in in most all spiritual traditions is it is the intuitive world that actually brings you into a higher state of expansion and 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 consciousness so so really the in, intuition is is an incredible gateway and again so intuition again leading into that experience of expanded states of being and consciousness is really simply not valued in our culture. Again, it moves back into that sort of like, that's a dreamer, you know, it's, it's, it's ungrounded. It's, it, there's a huge judgment against these things mm -hmm. and it permeates every, every, every aspect of our world. I mean, being a dancer, living in, being a dance artist and living in the dance world the way that I had to describe my work <laughs> to, to desperately attempt to have support and funding, I better not talk about energy. I better not talk about spirit. I right. better not talk about soul. I better not talk about any of it. And I found that increasingly um, unbelievable. Yeah, it's alienating, right? When you can't be yourself. We were just, we were talking again before before the show um, about having to work in environments where you can't really feel like you can even be your authentic self because the culture doesn't allow it. And, and you know, you know, yeah. you're going to turn people off or you're, you're not going to get that promotion or that grant or that thing, you know, um, if you're not fitting in or conforming to the, to the materialistic mold. And when you start talking about spirit and soul, um, even like, I mean, I feel like I can talk about it on a higher level, even if you're bringing in Jungian psychology or Joseph Campbell or things like that. I mean, people just, they shut down because they're not used to contemplating uh, that the world works from this inner place. You know, it's just not something that the culture, uh, it doesn't not, it doesn't just, it's not appreciative of it. It literally is lives in denial of it, of that whole yeah. part of our life. It's very strange. And when you step back, and when you really observe and say, you know, okay, let us look at what's actually occurring. It is um, horrifying, actually, for anyone who values the life of the soul. Mm -hmm. And one needs to actually, I think, move against an, an, a wave that is attempting to actually crush the human spirit. You know, and, and one has to begin to fortify themselves and say, okay, I'm going to value this in my life and I'm going to, you know, speak about it more or I'm going to find ways to, to share that. It is a really liberating thing. Um, and I think 
for many of us, 2020 has been a, a very painful awakening in some ways, but also a, a liberating experience of saying, this is, this is it. This is the line yeah. where I can no longer pretend that this is in any way normal, in any way healthy, right. and in any way good. You know, um, so. Well, I mean, I can't agree more. And I think that um, once you do start to perceive things, and I, by the way, you know, I actually came to this perspective, this more spiritual perspective, really kicking and streaming, because I did come, I think, from such a background of, um, you know, typical public school education. My parents were very, um, they were just very normal people, you know, <laughs> in terms of of living and and working in this culture. I mean, I was just expected to go to college and you know get a get a job with a corporation and and do the thing that everybody does. Um, and I, in order to kind of reject that, I turned to um, a more of a you know I, I went more in the direction of philosophy, and I wanted to be very logical and really logically analyze things. Which yeah. is a great way to look at things. I mean, it's a great way to yeah. kind of clear the muddied waters, but also it, it um, I mean, for me, it made me very skeptical of a lot of these energetic, uh, you know, perspectives, intuitive perspectives. Yeah. Um, and I, and I was dragged into it because ultimately I, I was curious. I, you know, I didn't think that, you know, I've done, I've done Tai Chi, I've done some indigenous ceremony and things like that, because I was curious about, well, these other cultures, you know, really believed in the, in these, as you call them, wisdom traditions. They have thousands of years of history of, of following these paths. Uh, so there must be something to it, you know? <laughs> um, and it took me a long time to, to finally be like, you know, oh, because you've got to, at, at least you've got to balance the logic with the intuition uh, yeah. in, in order to be healthy, because that inner life is real for all of us. And if we try to deny it, then we're just asking for a world to hurt, really, you know, you're just repressing um you know, repressing that dark side and not doing the work of, of liberating yourself or transcending those, those habit patterns that you're going to have. Um, if you're not living, you know, unhealthy habit patterns that you're going to have, if you're not conscious of, of, uh, being an emotionally healthy person and the, and the choices you need to make to, to foster that in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I think it's an interesting, um, journey for each of us in a culture where uh, these things are not supported mm. where we can where we don't understand when we're, we're not allowed to feel ourselves in all of the layers and levels that we actually are you know one way i feel like i think about it is that you know it's like we we have these different layers of ourself and you know in yoga they we talk about them as bodies or koshas or you know the energy body or the um mental emotional body the wisdom body the bliss body mm -hmm. you know we have these different layers and different traditions talk about them in different ways and um and honoring all of these layers and and how it is that we're bringing these layers into union how we are coming into the wholeness the integration of ourselves rather than fracturing ourselves off and that is what i think this culture is actually uh supporting is the fracturing of ourselves and it is to me the most insane thing 
to witness and experience within my own self and, and my, my own struggle to really, right. you know, um, understand who I am to, to integrate the, the, the shadow, to integrate these deeper aspects of myself that, you know, are scary, are, um, are, um, are darker, you know, that are, are not easily digestible and, Who's teaching me how to do these things? Who is going to tell me how to work with the energies of myself? You know, uh, this is where we get into the sort of the lack of elder eldership. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily fully blame the elders per se. I think that we have been, there's, you know, we have, our wisdom traditions have been decimated that we have been stripped of our wisdom traditions and we can discuss or, you know, talk about is, was it, it was it intentional? Right. <laughs> was it not intentional? Those are interesting conversations to have, you know, why do you think that is? Why did, why were our wisdom traditions stripped? Why are we without deep traditions that guide us through the, the path of our life? You know, where yeah. are the initiations? Where are the rites of passage that help us move through experiences that we have to move through in order to live a full, healthy, joyful, embodied and realized life? Where are those in this culture? We are lacking them all. You know, every, every ritual in this culture provides an opportunity for for us to go essentially unconscious rather than moving into expanded and greater and deeper states of consciousness and you know if we think about weddings and um, even births I mean moving through the initiation of moving into motherhood I was I was floored and I'm someone that have, has really engaged in ritual all my life and engaged in these sort of talked about this and that. And I was really floored at the lack of kind of communal ritual support to assist me as a woman yeah. moving into this most incredible phase of my life. You know, and I know that I'm not alone because I have spoken to many, many, many women about it. Sure. You know, and this is why there's this growing movement of, you know, postpartum doula and how it is that we, um, how it is that we care for our, uh, these transitions, women through these, you know, through this, these passages. But this is just one of many examples. You know, you know, in a wedding, how many people go, you know, completely unconscious by drinking themselves into oblivion. And yet these are the moments where we should be moving into hyper states of consciousness. This is where we should be allowing ourselves and Joseph Campbell talks about it as sort of pitching ourselves into the next level of consciousness that we we are expanding. And it's like the ritual takes us up. It pitches us up into the, a greater level of understanding. And this is what ritual does in its highest form. 
because there can also be, you know, lower form rituals, but this is what ritual does for us, for humanity in its highest form is to bring us up and it brings us up through these incredible wisdom traditions that gives the line, you know, of remembrance of where we come from and where we're going. And, um, you know, this has been entirely lost. Right. You know? Yeah, the absence of these, I mean, to me, it's helping to make, especially these important partitions in life that you're talking about, we can make them very conscious and have an awareness of what's happening to us as opposed to uh, what seems to happen to us in this modern day where we're just sort of thrown into these situations and we're just told yeah. to deal with it, uh, yeah. get the job done, you know, power through and get back to work. Right? Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're falling apart. Right. You're trying to, to, you know, you're trying to pretend there's layers of your own consciousness that are blocking yourself from even understanding how broken you might be, how totally obliterated you might yeah. be, and how how we need communities to actually hold people, and we need communities to actually recognize, you know, uh, what we are going through and this is the power not only of individual ritual but but communal ritual of um you know the the ritual is so important but then the return to the community and the community embracing mm -hmm. and supporting a, a human being through that rite of passage that is a another aspect of the whole ritual process which is um so important because then we integrate back into the community we feel ourselves as part of a larger whole we we feel ourselves in relationship you know and not only to ourselves but then to our community and to the earth and to the cosmos and we begin to have relational thinking yeah and um um, Martin Shaw, um, he's a storyteller and a mythologist, and I, I really enjoy his work. He he was speaks a lot about this: is the 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 lack of the return, right. where there is you know so someone like myself or you or anyone who is really looking, who is seeking to find great deeper you know resolution and meaning in a in a culture that is devoid. You know, it's, it's like, uh, so we might have these initiation experiences, but then where do we go? Right. Yeah. How do I, we return? I noticed that. I, I was actually going to bring up Martin Shaw. I haven't, I'm not familiar with his work myself, but I, you know, that passage when you were writing about him and the idea of, you know, when you're, when you do a, a ceremony, I mean, some ceremonies are for the group, but if you're doing an, an individual ceremony, it's like, you know, leaving the village and going into the forest or, you know, sometimes, uh, I mean, you know, you can use the cave metaphor, you're going into the cave and you're right. really, um, you know, you're going through a transition period where you're really delving into yourself and your inner self and figuring some things out. And you want to be able to come out of an experience like that and then be reintegrated into the village with the group, with the village of people that can appreciate, you know, the experience that you've just had. 
uh, and yeah. kind of help you make that transition. And that's something that even those of us who are experimenting with this kind of thinking in the in this yeah. day and age, in this culture, I mean, we don't have that. You know, you can have this profound transitional experience because you've been experimenting with a certain ceremony or ritual that that you're kind of developing for yourself, or maybe you've learned from another culture. Uh, and then you come back and you try to tell your friends about it and they have no idea or your family, you know, and they're just like, huh, well, that's weird. You know, <laughs> I mean, I know that's <laughs> happened to me, <laughs> right? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we live in interesting times, I guess, so trying to yeah. kind of trying to make this transition from this very hierarchical system where everybody's been indoctrinated into thinking, uh, in this, in this certain way, this very alienated way, I think, you know, we're, we're not taught how to be individuated and look into our, into our inner self. I mean, if anything, we're taught to repress our inner self um, yeah. and just, uh, you know, act accordingly on the outside. Everything's about the outside and the appearances and the outside and, and, you know, getting that job done, getting the good job or being in a leadership position in the job, it's all very materialistic. And, and uh, so when you do start to try to delve into this kind of energy work or this intuitive work or this understanding of, I mean, even just an understanding about emotional health, you know, and the importance of emotional health for our, for our actual real life experience, yeah. you know, right. Which should be common sense. Right. Um, people are just, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's really tragic. I, <laughs> You yeah. know, we, we have to, we have to laugh about it because right. it's, because, you know, what can be said? I mean, so many people are lost and, um, and I, I mean, I don't consider myself found. I am, I'm on a path of seeking, you know, yeah. and, um, trying to stay out of the, the darkness as much as anyone, you know, uh, who is trying to stay out of the darkness. Not mm -hmm. everyone thinks the darkness exists. Not everyone is aware yeah. that there. Not everyone um, has, you know, has the ability to even to see that. Um, and I think that speaks to the, the, well, the indoctrination, I would even just call it spells being cast, yeah. you know, these are spells being cast uh, through various media, you know, through our, all of these systems. Right. Um, you know, that was actually... Since the, that writing that I did, the book, it's funny for me to call it a book. <laughs> um, the, the book that I, that I pieced to the, together, Systems of Indoctrination and the Wild Rose of the Soul. So it's really two parts. Um, that was the intention of that writing was to, I was thinking about, okay, well, some people can't see this can't see how indoctrinated we mm -hmm. we have been they don't understand they can't perceive that there is a whole other world that is possible that could be possible can you imagine another world another life another reality it seems that most people many many people cannot imagine another reality yeah and I'm not even saying, you know, I'm just saying, imagine what, it, you know, or, or if they imagine it, it's very exterior. It's an outward story that has no relevance to their inner experience in life. Mm -hmm. But can we imagine 
that a whole nother life experience, a whole nother set of laws, even a whole nother completely different world is possible. Why do we even believe that this is like the pen, you know, the, the ultimate world? Why do we place so much um, value in this exterior reality that we're, and this, it's also a consensus reality that we're expected to believe. Um, I don't believe it, (laughs) you know, and I, so that, that series of writings that I did was really actually, it was me trying to think about how, if someone was really in a position where they weren't able to imagine at all, another world now let's well let's let's get under a little bit let's get under the 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 medical system let's get under the education system let's get under these systems and start to think about the framework of consciousness that they're operating from what are their values just on a really fundamental level Mm -hmm. and so when we look at the education system, this is a, a military model and it's a military industrial model, you know, and, and it's like, we are being trained and that we are being, you know, we are expected to uh, respond to orders. We are expected to stay in line. So I had a, in that, in that writing, I, I had a really profound experience when I transitioned from Waldorf school into, I went to a public school for, for right. two years. And that was, it was a real wake up call. And there was a lot of talk, you know, how are the kids going to transition? <laughs> you know, the parent, I remember that, you know, and the older kids, you know, oh, he, he moved from Waldorf into this school and, you know, um, he did okay. It was, it was a hard transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, for me, it was, um, I remember feeling profoundly suddenly out of body, you know, and that was my first memory of being so just like, what is going on? Because I was moved from one reality into another reality. I was moved from a reality that honored nature, that honored play, that really, that, uh, that honored all individuals and all sentient life. Those are the, the fundamental values, you know, in the Waldorf education. Now, we can talk about what's happening in the the system of Waldorf education now, and it's you know a bit controversial. But um, my uh, experience at that time was very innocent. It was very innocent, and I, I feel that's how children should be, you know. And then yeah. moving from that experience into a very militant existence. And for me, it was very clear. I I just, it was, there was a shock in my system. And I remember there was these lines in the middle of the hallways and it was absolutely baffling to me. What these, what, what were these lines? It was like, I, I couldn't, I didn't think like that. And, and, and I remember asking someone and they told me that it was, you know, that you're to stay on this side and this person's to stay on that side. And it just, I couldn't conceive of, of a place that would, would, would regiment us in such a, in such a way. And, um, 
you know, and that went through all of the experiences yeah. there testing into the kind of like commodification, you know, and into the hierarchy. It was a very quick movement into hierarchy yeah. and into, oh, you know, you know, are you going to excel or, you, you know, are you going to, to fail, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, no, no concept of, of real individuation, no care about, you know, what, what are you passionate about? What would you like to do with your life? You know, what do you right. feel like studying today? You know? Love. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what do you love? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know, my kids, we ended up homeschooling our kids mostly. And they, and yeah. then they, they did some tutorial. Um, we had a, like a smaller community school. My son went to high school there. He liked the social life. My daughter went for a bit. Um, but both my, my kids ended up becoming artists because that's what they, they just found what they love to do. And all we did was help them to do that, you know? Uh, and I was shocked at actually, uh, how they learned as much as their public school counterparts about, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic just from hanging out. I mean, you know, like literally I felt like all the time that's spent in these regimented, I mean, I've, I've come to the belief that these institutions are way more about the indoctrination than they are about the education at all, because uh, the education they're receiving is not actually that profound you know it's not they're not gaining that much considering the amount of time that they're spending in these institutions um yeah yeah and well i mean <clears throat> the um incredible like the horrific move to complete like online learning and um you know and then it brings in all sort of aspects of the potential to um basically be surveilling our, our children right um, modifying them in different ways 24 7 you know they're for their entire life um so you know and then and then this whole absurd notion of that this is real life <laughs> you know that this that a computer screen that virtual reality that the metaverse yeah is in any way engaging in real life this is not real life. This is a, you know, a projection, a holographic, you know, reality. This is a, this is a spell. This is a, this is, this has nothing to do with a living, breathing, sentient life, you know, that is moving through time and space on a planet that has <laughs> trees and, right. and, and, you know, this is, this is completely taking our children out of any embodied experience of joy, of beauty, and then actually of feeling truth. How, how are we going to actually feel that right. and know what that is, know what that experience is? Because our body is profoundly wise you know yeah. our body sends us signals all the time you know our body is telling us beware of this beware of that you know oh this is something that you can move to but when we are confused when we are actually when the it, it's an inversion where you know we're witnessing this inversion of reality when we right. are when we are told that this is actually you know real and that this is not real and we place our value in this fabricated world, then um, I think it's very easy to get cut off from the instrument, the, the wisdom in instrument of the body and the wisdom experience of the soul, which, you know, 
we all as human beings have. Um, yeah, I've been, um, well, I've been thinking a lot lately about the fact that most cultures feel like the, um, the, the intelligence is held in the heart. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that I've discovered about studying, studying other cultures and learning about how they thought about things, whereas our culture always has, you know, the, the, the root of intelligence is in the brain. Um, yeah. And I think that that speaks volumes about the kind of culture that, I mean, has cut themselves off from this heart wisdom and thinking from the heart and making choices from the heart, right, where um, you're incorporating not just this sort of logical brain that's ob objectifying and thinking, but also, yeah. you know, the, the embodied experience that the heart feels and then makes choices from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is a real severing, a severing from the heart wisdom, severing from the gut wisdom, a severing from sort of the sensory wisdom, the experience of, you know, understanding that again, we are being, we are being the body is an instrument and the body is, there is information, energy, information, um, constantly passing through the, the body and when our body is very open and um, clear uh, when we've you know purified the nadis however you want to talk about it when yeah. the system is is operating well when we are not completely um, inundated with with poison you know i mean which we actually are all of us <laughs> but when we are trying to rid ourselves of the the layers of of poison in our environment and in our food and in our air and in in the water systems you know when we are working to allow our instrument to be as um clear as it can be then those those that information becomes more readily available to us. And we can begin to trust our feeling body and our, our sensing body. We can begin to listen and um, feel that there is, that the whole organism of the body is actually tapped into a the larger cosmic organism, if you will, you know, that we are interrelated, interconnected and that there is information passing through all the time and really how are we working with that information or how are we not how are we you know how are we able to digest or how or how is the information actually coming in completely arresting our development and so that really is what i've come to feel is that this culture um Again, you can talk about it. Is it conscious or not? I've come to feel that it is. This is conscious. Yeah. But again, that you know, it doesn't matter to me what you what one thinks. You know, um, whether they believe it's conscious or not. There, but we are be, we are. There is a poisoning. This is a great poisoning. I did a, a piece on uh, called the Great Poisoning, and and that was really all about all of the, the layers of poison that are entering into our system at all times. And, you know, through the water, through the air, you know, through our food system and through our education, through the media, 
through the media, you know, every form of media. And um, is it's, you know, it's just, it's like toxic, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by ignoring the emotional self, you know, I think it's almost inevitable that the culture is going to evolve into something that's toxic for, for that emotional body. <laughs> yeah. And it is amazing to me how actually traumatic I think it is. I mean, that public school experience, like you made that transition, that was a, I imagine you could describe it as a traumatic experience. Like, wait a minute, you know, I went from a a real trauma. Yeah. Um, And it's not just me. I'm just affirming the fact that I think children are being traumatized all the time. Yeah. I I wish, I mean, it's like, it's hard to come to that understanding and you can see it happening. Like this is an emotionally toxic environment for children, this institution they're being institutionalized. They're being indoctrinated. You know, um, th- their emotions are being repressed and oppressed, and and people can't see it. You know, you're trying to explain it to them. Like this is, you know, this is abusive. <laughs> like, get your kids out of here, right? I mean, and uh, it's very it's, hard to bear witness to. Yeah, I know all of us have had many, you know, many sleepless nights. Um, <laughs> right. Um, wondering you know this this is a nightmare and um it and it <laughs> and it's you know it, i don't want to say it always has been because the, we we can engage different realities and we should engage different realities and i think you know um we shouldn't you know give them so much power or the the, the systems that are oppressing we shouldn't you know oh <laughs> we can't live a life that's liberated because they're not allowing us sure. you know we have to allow ourselves and um we have to empower ourselves and we have to step out of of course that the victim consciousness that is so prevalent today in our culture and this sort of con- continued pushing of this uh, victim consciousness and that, you know, um, and, um, and begin to learn what, what it is to truly empower ourselves and our children, you know, and that's a, that's such a journey in and of itself, yeah. you know, for those of us who are, who are trying to take it, it's, it's a challenging journey to figure out how do we do this? How do we, how do we create the path forward for our children, for our children's children, for the world at large. You know, when we really see this closing in on it, us, this absurd uh, agenda. I mean, we can only, I can only speak about it in in terms of it being the most obscene and absurd thing that we could ever talk about. Right. Oh, the a literal tapping of our energy and our mind. Uh, and the feeding off of us to um, uh, for for almost a it's a it's 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 a vampire energy really and again you can talk about it in multiple ways well you know do you think that there are actual vampires it doesn't matter you know there are vampiric forces within human beings or you know you can even talk about well are these human beings it I've, doesn't matter yeah. Actually. I've heard that reality is this is what's happening. There are people that are taking, you know, they're trying to keep that position on the top and they're trying to feed Mm -hmm. and uh, feed off of us. Yeah. I've heard the narcissistic um, 
you know, narcissistic personality disorder described as an energy vampire when you get around people like this. And that's the way that I, I kind of analyze, uh, you know, this culture, this patriarchal culture, or these hierarchical systems, those on top, um, you know, on one level, there's just, they're stealing our labor, right? On the material level, they're stealing our labor and our wealth and our ability to, to generate abundance for our families on that on that kind of basic level but then i think there is a much deeper level where uh they're feeding off of us emotionally as well i mean you know they kind of i think that they kind of uh they just enjoy having the power and the control over others and then that's going to be a traumatic experience for the rest of us that are just you know wondering how why did we get born here during this time with these guys you know (laughs) oh my (laughs) If we even notice, if we can even observe or have the awareness that that's what's really going on, you know, so many people have been so completely indoctrinated into it. I mean, most people perpetuate it. They help to perpetuate. It's like, I think, a Stockholm syndrome in a way where they, you know, they've come to um, to uh, rely on the oppressor and think that, you know, the the abusive father figure must be doing it for some kind of good reason. Uh, or they don't even notice the abuse at all. And they just become enablers in this relationship. I started to, I started with political philosophy and I was like, that's, I don't think that's what's going on now, you know? And so now I apply all this psychological analysis to, you know, to what's happening because it's the only way to make sense of it. I mean, yeah. 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 And then we can take it into those deeper, into the substrata, into that sort of energetic or archetypal reality and experience you know, um, think about it in those deeper layers. Yeah. um, I really love another thing that really inspired me about Joseph Campbell was his wife was um, a dancer. And so he had like a a real love for dance. Mm. And, um, and he uh, very much understood the relationship between the physical body and mythology he spoke about this and this is it's just profound there's a few uh, quotes that i i keep close to me because i um what a profound revelation and and for me i've always felt it so so clearly because I, again i think this is really my my calling my sort of uh, calling of what is this relationship between body sacred movement dance mythology mm-hmm. archetype rite of passage ritual and um and so he he speaks about the organ bodies actually uh generating the experience of archetype and re- which move into mythology into our world mythologies eventually so it's like it's like the head speaking about the head fighting with the heart fighting with the the digestive organ and we can think about or we can experience the organs and the different systems of the body as really expressions of these energetic realities and that's how ayurveda and chinese medicine yeah. look at systems you know we understand the kidneys relate to fear we understand the heart relates to joy it relates to grief and these are these are energies and these are are all they're more than you know when we speak about energy um you know in our culture we don't have a real understanding for what energy 
is. We think about it as this airy, fairy, um, you know, like ethereal term. Yeah. You know, yeah, kind of woo woo. Yeah, this woo woo. You know, but when we, I like to, I ground myself in, in Ayurveda and, and yogic um, uh, cosmology largely. Um, and, you know, um, from the Ayurvedic perspective, you know, um, the subtle creates the dense. It is spirit that moves into matter and animates matter and, in, and it, it creates the forms of matter. And so when we're thinking about how we, how we move into, uh, from, from energy, from spirit to energy into our emotional, uh, and mental experiences into body, really talking about the movement of, of prana, you know, and energy, chi, you know, and how that animates the body. And the, the free flow of prana, the open joints, the, um, the movement of energy in an unobstructive way, uh, the movement which includes our emotional life and also our mental life, how it is. Not that we have to move with all of our thoughts and, you know, and, you know, be living in our head, but allowing things to move and to digest. We have to digest our experience. And so the energy is really animating the body and it's here and now, you know? Yeah. You know, what's? I mean, I've thought a lot about this. I mean, I, in my own Tai Chi practice, again, I was dragged kicking and screaming, you know, into this, like what the, the liver holds anger. Like that just sounds so crazy to me. Uh, and then somehow, well, I think this speaks to the power of the indoctrination, actually, because now it seems so common common sense to me. I mean, as you say, we we all know that we hold these energies in our heart. Uh, we know that if we're detoxing, when our liver is cleansing, we're likely to be irritable and frustrated. I mean, you know. And then uh, I discovered something interesting that there's a a gland basically associated with each of the of the chakras in the Ayurvedic system. And the glands produce the hormones that make you feel the way that you feel. So the like system yeah. and the system are inter those are the, that's the language moving between the subtle bodies and into the physical body. The right. glandular bodies are key, you know, and of course that's, that's the our hormonal balance and how we, uh, yeah, how we, how, how we how feel we about the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, and I, yeah, I've, I also came to the realization that these other cultures, I mean, first of all, it's a big, because I, I did, I mean, I did struggle with this thinking that all of these energy systems are woo and they're not scientific, you know, I mean, that's, and, and this is the, this is the way of thinking that so many of us are indoctrinated into and the way of thinking that most people hold on to their whole lives. Um, it, it's difficult to let it go. But now I've realized that, you know, every other culture in the world besides this one uh, has completely fully understood forever that we have this energetic body. And then it's not like they didn't have a scientific method of their own. I mean, these are the sciences of these other cultures. You know, it's only people talk about white supremacy. This frustrates me to no end. And then they still cling to this idea that European science 
like white people discovered logic, you know, two, 300 years ago, and that these other cultures, all these other cultures were just based on woo and superstition. And they have such a block. And it's it's like, are you crazy? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Oh, it's, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that really, I found bizarre with this whole, you know, to jump back into the 2020 just for a moment and this sort of realization of, you know, you know, that everyone's talking about decolonizing and this and that. And then suddenly it's like this, this colonized, you know, the allopathic medical model. And I will never say that, that the allopathic model is useless. I do not believe that it is. It is actually phenomenal in emergencies. Um, It saves people's lives in, in those emergency settings. And I will, I will never say otherwise. Um, but it also kills a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's good in, in when it's good, but then, you know, like the long-term care is where all of these other modalities actually really shine. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's where you have to get into a more holistic worldview and yeah. you know, whether it be Ayurveda or Chinese medicine or, or all of the many, um, you know, systems, um, uh, other systems of medicine that are that are around the world yeah and and the thing is also speaking about the western culture there are mystical traditions within western culture right western culture has a mystery tradition you know we have had uh witches of old we you know there there were uh european herbalists you know, um, the the Irish and Celtic cultures are are really powerful. There's very, I mean, all of these, all yeah. of our, all of our cultural, you know, her, all of our ancestral traditions are incredibly powerful. And we all, when we go back far enough, we are we are connected to a land. We are connected to traditions that speak to the land, that that are birthed from the land, that understand that we are intertwined with nature, that we are a part of nature. And that is the that is the thing that um, this, you know, the this form of our Western culture uh, has really done in my feeling is that it, it has extracted us from our natural world we are no longer a part of the natural world from from this perspective and of course as as we know there are larger agendas which are really about completely taking us out of the natural world and the power that we receive or the energy that we receive when we are in relation to our environment to the cosmos to nature you know when we are taken out of the natural world when we are put on screens when we put our children on screens we separate we sever them we sever them from their most fundamental experience of themselves and the natural world they're cut off and then how can we not expect them to go crazy you know how can we not expect our children as we've been seeing to to really go mad when uh, and and also we're feeding them these all of these pharmaceutical drugs that you you look on the inserts we understand that they can cause like psychosis it can cause splits it can cause all kinds of things and we are feeding children these these 
experimental drugs. Yeah, it's crazy. In the world. And this, when, and people believe that this is normal, that this should be done. And this is, you know, this is where it just gets back to this, this really deep severing and it, and how sorrowful this is this severing for 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 the sold people that are remain in this cloaked world where they cannot believe that there is any other reality other than the reality that they're being fed and the tragedy that we're witnessing is is just it's like it's beyond yeah. Yeah, I mean, kids are getting traumatized through this indoctrination system. So then they express symptoms of anxiety and depression. And instead of changing the system into a healthy environment for the kids to become, you know, emotionally balanced, they just drug them as if that's going to be the solution. Right. That's the solution is to drug, drug Tommy. So he feels, you know, so he doesn't feel himself anymore. Yeah. So he doesn't feel who he is. and and. You know, and and rather than have the courage, you know, to help our little ones and our our ones that are moving into this threshold into adulthood to transition through these passages in ways where they can empower themselves, they can face, you know, the wilderness of their own, the beasts within, they can, they can empower themselves to feel their own, you know, resilience. And then they begin to uh, really know that they can actually travel through life and have the resources. And that's actually also moving back into the the rite of passage and the rituals. This is what that does. And this is what we've lost. We have lost this. And instead, we are just allowing for, um, for, for these moments to be completely um, annihilated you're annihilating these profound experiences that these potentially profound experiences where our children can graduate into the next level of consciousness where they can know themselves within their culture where they can know who they are and begin to find meaning and value in their lives uh instead you know we we you know we drug them and we 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 try and pretend that it doesn't exist, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. I do want to get into this notion that we've been kind of skirting about the fact that, and I believe with you, that this has been done to us on purpose. I mean, you mentioned um, that Europeans, because Europeans are so often given the blame for this colonization process, uh, which, I mean, certainly Europeans engaged in that process. But uh, as you were mentioning, previous to the European colonization, there were plenty of wisdom traditions throughout Europe that have been destroyed. Um, So the Europeans really were just among the earliest people to be colonized, I think. Um, And uh, then they kind of spread spread it around the world. Uh, And I just think that so many interpretations of history and the way people are viewing things these days completely miss out on what's what's actually going on on this mythological level. I mean, I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because I do think, I think that the people that are perpetuating this on us or perpetrating this, uh, when I gained the awareness of the fact that mythology is what drives 
uh, culture. These archetypes are what drive culture. I thought, well, you know, these rich guys must know this too, right? I mean, I didn't just make this up. Like this is a this is a real powerful and profound realization that these mythological archetypes that drive our culture are, are you know, the powerful forces. And if I wanted to control a culture, the first thing I would do is start making mythologies that would control the people, you know, that would indoctrinate the people in a in a in, in into being controlled into being essentially enslaved. And these rituals, these ceremonies that you're describing, they're individuating. I mean, that's, you know, they help individuals know themselves and separate as separate from the group, I guess. It's it's hard to describe. They don't call it a, a mystery tradition for nothing, right? I mean, you can't just <laughs> say what's going on. It's something you have to explore. It's dark and it's murky, but... Um, I, I agree with you. I think it has been done purposefully. And I think the solution, the real solution, not arguing politics, you know, not <laughs> trying to kind of impose or change people's minds, but is to develop ritual and ceremony and, you know, get get people to get involved in these kinds of things so that they can break the cycle of violence and start to heal from these this traumatic these traumatic events that have i mean you know right when we're indoctrinated i think by definition the indoctrination is a is the creation of this trauma bond like they're traumatizing us on purpose it creates this trauma bond it's like a, a trauma-based mind control system yeah. and healing from that is the only way out yeah yeah and um yeah i mean ritual can be um a uh, ritual can be used for any purpose and um and these and all of these things just like technology can be used mm. for different purposes and things aren't in, innately you know these these tools aren't bad or, or good um but they they can be they can be used and um so when we're talking about ritual it has been used it can be used either way yeah. so yeah this is the creative so really w w what my perspective is is that this is the creative this is us engaging in the creative act which is very powerful and the creative act is um moving us through deeper experiences when we begin to really tap into the language of our own being and, and our own body and begin to feel the language of our own soul. We begin to feel those things through symbol and archetype. They reveal themselves through that, that language, symbol, archetype. This is the language of the soul. So we can create our own uh, experiences born out of beauty and the intention to move towards greater healing integration wholeness and to align ourselves with our highest potential and the highest good you know so we can always start with intention you know the intention being the most powerful experience and 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 that is really the seed the intention is the seed and the intention then gets planted so one of the things 
a very, very small practice that I teach in, in my movement work is, you know, setting the intention. But there's a particular way that I engage this, and it's very simple. And so when, when I'm working within the, uh, this movement practice of setting intention, what we do is we come to sit, you know, quietly, and then we allow the intention to arise from the deeper waters of the feeling body. We allow ourselves to feel. And then we allow the intention to rise up, to be a heart experience. And then we allow that intention to become a visual image. So visualization, this is a creative experience. So then we are creating this vision. And then we are allowing that vision you're seeing the vision, and then we're allowing the vision to be to give us the even if it's just a taste of the feeling. So we're activating the endocrine system. We're activating our sort of glandular bodies. We're activating. We're we're saying we're we're saying remember this feeling. This intention becomes a feeling state in the body. It's a feeling state. And then we literally are planting that feeling like seeds in the cells of the body. So in this way, very simple practice, very simple. It's a creative practice, setting a ground for whatever intention or ritual one might um, want to perform. Then you're grounding it in the embodied experience. It's not just an intellectual experience, but it becomes a felt experience in the body. In a prayer, it's a prayer, an embodied prayer, very powerful, very simple, very clear. And then you, it's like seeds, you feel it in the body and you release it into mm. the space around you. And it's like you're, you're scattering the prayer, the intention, you're allowing it to expand, you're giving it life. This is a creative act, you know, so it's not just an intellectual idea. It's a creative act, just as, so that's the, the ground we want to create in ritual and intention. So we have the intention. So if we are moving from one thing to the next, one phase of life to the next, if we're saying, okay, I am moving into, I want to do a mother's blessing ceremony and I want to bless a blessing way. I want to feel, I want to feel myself beginning to embody what it means to be a mother, what that archetype is how i how i'm going to bring that aspect that archetype into my my experience how i'm going to you know expand and understand my own personhood as a mother you know so so we have an intention we have a ritual we can create any any you know series of intentional movements ritual is um it is very ritual is like bringing spirit into body. Yeah. That's what ritual is. You are, you are saying, this is the prayer. This is the ground. This is the intention. And now I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it down. I'm calling it in from the ethers. I'm bringing it into my life, into my body. And I'm going to make it a reality. This is co-creation. This is a, a creative space. And that, for, for me, is what I see, experience my own 
personal practice of ritual, how I've used it in performative settings, which is slightly different, but but the but the same, you know, um, because I've done a lot of dance ritual, which has been a very different thing, and that really I've seen as an offering. So I've created. So I I have an intentional ritual. I'm going to move through, and then. Um, I'm going to join that with making an offering to whoever witnesses that that offering raises the consciousness, raises the experience of, of the, um, those who bear witness that we move into this sacred space together, that we, uh, that, um, and that, through the ritual act and the ritual act is a physical act. So it's not just on me imagining or, you know, it's, I am doing, I'm embodying. That's what, and I think, you know, it can be very mundane. It could be pouring water. It could be, you know, it could be movement. It could be dance. It could be, you know, it, it, it could be so many things. And there are so many ways that we can create ritual. It could be the creation of a wreath of flowers. It could be the lighting of candles. It could be the pouring of water. We use all of these elements. We use all of these um, tools to convey our meaning. And and um, and to and to consciously convey and to bring ourselves into these these different experiences. Right. Yeah. It's so interesting the way you describe it because it reminds me of of how you know these philosophies are all about the integration of the mind and the body. And I think in this culture, it's so easy to get stuck in the in the idea you know, in literally in the idea and creating yeah. ideas in your mind and thinking that that's real. And this yeah. alternative perspective, which is so difficult for people to even believe is that, you know, the thoughts that you have, have a direct correlation in the body. And by turning the awareness inward, you can really actually seek out, you know, what's happening in my body, uh, simply yeah. visualize or learn again how to feel what's happening in your body and relax you know in my tai chi practice constantly we're told over and over again to relax you know relax and sink the chi right and when you think too much you get excess yang chi i i, I literally yeah. learned to feel like my god i'm you know holding all this tension in my face like what's going on <laughs> because, oh because i think all the time and i'm not actually yeah. like in my body enough um, and that's just characteristic of, of just about everybody who's walking around here in this culture. You know, they that's what we're taught. We're not taught anything else. Yeah. And that's the problem. You know, yeah. that's the problem. So we're not taught anything else. And and there's um, we're not taught to to really know our experience. And then there's all again, you know, um, there's all of these other traditions that are working in entirely different paradigms. And um, hopefully we have the, the blessing to have access to those paradigms because these can completely transform people's lives when they really begin to understand that uh, we are not just, you know, shells uh, walking around disembodied, you know, actually yeah. there's a whole nother way of life that's possible. And, um, 
And it's, and it's a struggle in this culture because, again, it's like moving against the grain. And this is why we want to find community and so important in this time to find community where we can all support ourselves in our shared and ongoing human soul journey, where we can really allow ourselves to be bolstered by, um, by this, this um, communal support um, yeah, it's it's really remarkable how I, I I don't understand the complete inability to um, to not connect into the energies. I think for me that's really been such a through line in my in my life and, yeah. and even as a child. So it's I don't from my own childhood experiences. I don't fully understand this um, of course you know, of course there's relationship between, you know, emotion, thought, body, of course, you know, how can this, how can this be a revelation? But it is, it is a revelation and it goes so much deeper because that's just the beginning of when you begin to realize, oh, this is, wow, this is a whole system at work. And it just, it's um, a really profound, incredible system. The human or body the, it is a, that's why I call the, the, the larger teaching work that I do is the sacred body. The human body is a profound instrument. You know, it's, it's a divine, incredible uh, thing. Yeah. You know, it's just miraculous. And I really feel that awakening happens through the body. It happens in in my my feeling through the body. We are here in the body and and that is important. You know, that is an important aspect of what this whole spiritual journey is. You know, there are um some schools of thought that it's, you know, the body is, uh, well, and the body is a burden and, you know, and, <laughs> get, sure. you know, get out of the body, get out of your experience. And these yeah. are more um, um, ascetic and, and, you know, each to his own. And we can also talk about, you know, those, those practices, interestingly enough, have they been pushed on us? Has the, have these practices of um, real disembodied experience, get out of your body. You know, the or the dirty body. Our body is is, sure. is sinful. Is innately sinful. That right. you know, the very experience of of our human form is like, you know, a sinful experience. Um, so, I think transforming our relationship to the body is a really key thing, key aspect of the awakening process because it's because because the awakening process is a physiological event so we were talking about the endocrine system and the nervous system and these are the systems that are actually the systems through which the energy awakens to a greater degree you know and um, the the nervous system in particular and the spinal column and um and these are physiological events. These are physical, somatic 
experiences. And again, when we have a culture that is completely um, unaware, uh, well, when the, the, the sort of the mainstream or, or just even just the generalized thought around awakening isn't incorporating the physiological experience, well then, you know, what's happening to all of these people that are having awakening experiences and how are they held? You know, how is their consciousness held? How are they, you know, helped through? Because it's not like, you know, it's not only like gorgeous beauty and this is, these can be traumatic experiences, the painful experiences, you know, what these can be, uh, you know, psychological breaks. We need structures of support in a health, in any healthy culture, any healthy civilization has structures of support for the movement of consciousness, the evolution of consciousness, which is a natural experience, I believe, of our human incarnation. Our human evolution is a natural experience. So getting back to this notion of, you know, people holding us, holding us down, those, the perpetrators, you know, they're moving against nature in my eyes. The the natural experience is to awaken. It's going to take however long it takes because a plant grows and reaches to the light. We are, we reflect that same spiraling beauty and mechanism and intelligence. Prana, we say in yoga ayurveda that we say prana has innate intelligence it is innately intelligent it moves to the light and so there is an enormous amount of energy being expended on keeping that spiraling upward movement down yeah it's just a cap on consciousness and that's how i feel it there's like a cap on consciousness and once you, I think, make the leap out of that, then you're, then it's, it's just so, it's like a quickening, you know, it's so fast because it's like a, a why, it's like you realize that there's been a ceiling that is, is here. And then when you, uh, you know, when the head can get above that ceiling, it's like breathing fresh air again, because it's the most natural thing in the world to breathe this fresh air, to understand that we are, we are all as human souls growing to towards and with and in the light. Right. Yeah. So fascinating. Um, I've been told by my Tai Chi teacher, I've heard this concept too um, from others called Chi madness, which is when you actually change too fast yeah. Uh, and then it will cause, you know, if your awareness is opening so quickly, then you just get so confused. So, you, you know, it's such a, it's, it's such a, uh, uh, a quick change, this discombobulating experience that you can have these psychological breakdowns and it's unfortunate. Uh, and I think you mentioned this in the book too, about just the way that modern psychology and certainly psychiatry is dealing with these things when they, they treat it as a kind of a disease Uh, illness. It's it's like mental illness. Yeah. Instead of providing the support for the spiritual growth of this individual that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's really another um, horror, another 
it's just a tragedy, you know, how many yeah. souls have gone through different awakening processes only to be met with, um, you know, um, uh, <laughs> drugs on the other side where, you know, and, and a complete dampening of the soul and the spirit and no one to really understand what's actually occurring, you know. Um, and so having lost some, so many of our, our wisdom traditions, really what we are also facing is a loss of, of the elders and those who have this knowledge, who can guide us, those who can hold the space for this incredible, uh, process and processes. So, uh, we, there's a, a lack of, of elders that can really oversee this and, and know what to happen, know what's happening. Um, because, you know, if we don't have those who are able to hold that space, hold the deep, the expansion of consciousness and sort of give a signpost, a guide to towards the direction, you know, of where we are, are going a helping hand, because, you know, ultimately we all have to do this, ourselves this is a personal process uh and you know we it's not that we're alone but this it is contingent upon our the choices that we make we must make the choices we must empower ourselves but then we need those we need the support yeah and we're facing a crisis of a lack of support a lack of eldership um a lack of of like even with parents and in my feeling, uh, you know, and their children, you know, how are we even guiding our children? Um, how are we protecting them? I've really been um, long suspect and horrified by how people are putting their children forward, you know, as, um, you know, oh, look at what a leader this, this child is. And the, talk about trauma, you know, um, you know, these, these are children and, and they're being put forth and, um, you know, and they're being used. Ultimately, right. a lot of them are being used for agendas that are, are incredibly dark. And, um, and, and then we have the parents who are applauding the accolades being given to their children. And, and it's some sort of a, like a sick cycle where they, they're receiving right. The, yeah. the the accolades that they need their child is is being put forth as this leader you know meanwhile they're being traumatized and used they're being used traumatized and abused and the and the parent is is obviously loving the attention and you know and it's giving the parent some um unfortunately and tragically some uh um of affirmation that they never received. They need that public affirmation to affirm their person, you know, and now they're, they're using their own child. Right. So, and this, that was, that's been happening, you know, for years. It's, it's really been wild to watch this. And, you know, um, and I wasn't even a, a, a parent like 10 years ago, five years ago, and just watching this sort of rise of the kids and people putting their kids forth. You know, so this really, to me, reflects a crisis of 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 um, not only 
parents, but also of elf elders. We are la- and that was that's the de- that reflects the decimation of our wisdom traditions, you know. Yeah, and having a clear pathway. Right, the lack of the rituals and the initiation rituals that create that clear delineation between these different parts of life as you're going through. So you you know you have a clear definition of where you're at in the life cycle and and what's appropriate behavior even. Uh, for where you're at, and then the support from the community that you need uh, as you go through these different aspects of life. Um, Mm -hmm. It's challenging. I mean, you bring up a lot of points. I mean, firstly, parenting, when you do understand this alternative perspective within this culture, and you know your kids are going to go out there into the rest of the world and be exposed to all of the rest of, you know, what's going on, um, it's very much a balancing act. But the other yeah. thing that is really striking to me, I mean, especially because your kid is their own individual person too. I mean, you have to respect their experience and they're going to have experience that's kind of outside of your control unless you really do have a large community of like-minded people that, is, that becomes yeah. most of their experience, um, which is very rare. And, and I think that's the, the major point that I'm getting as you're bringing this up. Um, is the lack of this kind of community. I've done some interviews about economics. There's this idea called agorism about creating parallel economies, basically, to deal with things like, well, if you don't want to buy your food from big ag, or you don't want to get your medicine from big pharma, mm-hmm. and you want to really separate from the corporate system, you know, is the solution to fight the corporate system, or is the solution right. to just separate from it? And yeah build your own, you know, your own parallel economy where you're getting your goods and services from people that are producing in accordance with the lifestyle. But then there's this spiritual aspect to it. That's really even maybe more important than where do you get your food? Where do you get your medicine? But Mm -hmm. actually, where are you getting, you know, your spiritual support Mm -hmm. and this idea of, of really doing what we can to cultivate communities of people maybe we can do it online these days i don't know what the solution is Mm -hmm. um but to really develop these kinds of communities because i've had those experiences just like you're talking about when you were talking about um shaw that Mm -hmm. when you're going out martin shaw uh you're doing the shadow work you're going out you're doing the rituals and then you kind of have to come back into the real world and you're not getting that support uh that you really kind of need after an experience like that precisely because nobody else has any idea what you're doing. I mean, most of them don't even believe at all in what you're trying to work on. I mean, if you got to go back to your job at Walmart, you know, the next day or something, it's, it's actually shocking and jarring uh, when you should be going back into a community, a village of people that are very supportive and, and understand and have had ex- similar experiences themselves and are continuing to support you along your path. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's the challenge. Maybe that's why we're having this conversation today, right? Is to help spread the word and yes. and just kind of try to keep turning people on to the fact that, you know, there is actually this, this other way of thinking, this integrative way of thinking, this energetic way of thinking. Uh, and the more people that can start to experiment with these different ways, doing some of these grounding uh, um, practices. I mean, just do a little bit of meditation. Mm-hmm. Just do a little bit of inward looking into your body, finding the tense spots, you know, and learning how to kind of to relax, visualize, uh, you know, find that tension and just release it one bit at a time, 
find out if you're holding a lot of tension in your face, you know, see if you can relax that or ground that through your feet. And what does yeah. that feel like? Right. I mean, just getting, just getting back into your feeling body. It's such a huge step for so many people today because they really are. And I think because of the, the prof, really the profound trauma of indoctrination, you know, the spirit actually wants to leave the body. Like it actually is, you know, it doesn't want to hang out in a body that is being slow poisoned to death, right? That's <laughs> being right. traumatized emotionally all the time. It's not fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's the, the concept of um, soul loss, which is an uh, yeah. ancient concept and understanding um, in, in most all, you know, wisdom traditions, indigenous traditions, understanding that that actually there are parts of the soul when we move through trauma that that do they leave the body and um, they they um, they hide they move away you know and this is a protective mechanism you know and this is um, and there are uh, then of course practices where we call the energy the 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 soul back in and um, Many of these practices is best to do with a practitioner who does this kind of work. Um, but we can always have, we can always do simple intentional work. Prayer is so powerful, you know, prayer. And I like to use more and more the word prayer. Intention is a beautiful word, but I think it can become a little intellectual and prayer moves into the heart and, you know, and I, I think it's um, it's important to um, for a lot of the the overly intellectualized Western crew of people to get out of the head and move back into the body and and not and stop being afraid of, of the word spirit of yeah. uh, soul stop being afraid you know of yourself because that's really us being afraid of our own beauty and this is. Uh, this is a tragedy, you know, and this tiptoeing around the word spirit and soul, this tiptoeing around of, of um, our own ability to connect to ourselves. This, that's crazy, you know, because that's right. what that is. You're not going to talk about how we actually connect to our own being most important connection aside from you know a cosmic you know source god whatever you want to talk about it that connection in and how we move into our our shared uh humanity god i i I cannot believe that that's the 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 crazy thing about this culture is that it's normal for people to run away from themselves that's what this culture is perpetuating run away from run away from yourself don't talk about it you know don't think about it and then of course this sort of like endless seeking of of accolades and pleasure and it's it's a culture of narcissism because i think the oppressors are narcissistic you know uh who wants that kind of power exactly this no one I don't want that. I mean, and, and going back into 2020 and this whole notion of sovereignty, who wants the, that kind of power over another person? You know, only a narcissist. Yeah. In its most pure form, only a narcissistic force, only a narcissistic government, you know, uh, seeks that kind of control over 
exactly uh, yeah ability to have free will it's really uh unbelievable um this the you know i've always known that this culture that there was there was something extremely wrong about this culture um but that's like the awakening of 2020 i think for for me at least was was um it's it's i always felt this there's this real dark darkness but my life was engaged in healing and creation that's what i did you know i just walked away from the culture and said this is what i want to engage in and i kind of tried to live and you know and i curtailed myself but my interests were always in the creation and then with this 2020 um moment it's like as you said before it's impossible to walk away from and say you know uh this is in any way healthy or normal. This is, you know, this, the, the, the darkness has revealed itself in such a profound way for anyone who even just has a, a, like a tiny, like, you know, glimmer of, of light coming in. You can see, oh, this is very strange. Yeah. And um, these forces are very, very dark. Yeah. I, I was amazed at how many people, I mean, we're talking about, force injecting people with experimental drugs and nobody's standing up against it. I mean, to, you know, even making people wear the masks, it's like, you can't tell other people what to put on their bodies. You know, this is really invasive. The fact that so many people didn't see it as an invasive act that you have to ask permission for, you know, you have to get consent for that kind of behavior and instead felt completely, Uh, that they had within their rights to tell other people to do these things with their bodies. It was frightening for me. And I hope, you know, I hope it had, it had the, um, the impact on other people too, to kind of wake them up. I mean, I'm exactly with you. Like I've always had this kind of feeling that there was this darkness uh, and I knew it was there. And I, you know, just kind of did my work to try to change things, be a good example. Um, But these last few years, it really felt like it was in my face that like, you know, we're getting to a place where we, you know, those of us who have awareness need to make really strong boundaries here, (laughs) you know, and this is going to get very dark unless we do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We have to, exactly. That's such a beautiful way. We have to make boundaries uh around, you know, ourselves, our families, our communities, our lives. And we really have to say no, you know, absolutely not. I am not doing this. I'm not doing this to my child. And you can do this. And it's very hard for all of us to watch, especially as we see so much more information coming out. We knew in the very beginning. um, And then it's only confirmed, um, you know, with these Pfizer docs and, you know, all of this. Should I not say that? (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah. it's, it's a strange time. So, yeah, I mean, we, it's just, it's really become so clear. Um, I, I love this notion of really um, moving it into the creative aspect of yeah, really what we need to do. We know what's happening. It's important to know. Um, we don't need to know every detail to know the gestalt of what this, this is. Some people have, some people have, 
callings to go to fight head to head. And that is a noble pursuit and it's needed. And then other people have callings to do, you know, to protect the children in certain ways. But we should all also be looking to the future, I think, and to our own um, creation of the systems that we want to see come into the world to support our lineages and also to support the human lineage to support. We're really talking about the human race, you know, and we're really talking about the movement of the human race and the sacredness of our own genetic code and our children and our children's children, you know, and um, protecting the sanctity of that, um, because we know that they want to penetrate all of it. So how we uh, move into our parallel world or, and create that regardless, you know, of what happens, regardless. Well, very good, Marae. Thanks for coming on. I think uh, we probably should wrap it up. We're, we're uh, knocking on two hours, but... Um, <laughs> You know, what I took from this was was the importance of having that community. Um, and I hope that the people who are listening, I mean, first of all, if you're very skeptical, because it is so challenging to talk about, again, they don't call it a mystery tradition for nothing. I mean, right. you know, we can talk around our, about our, our personal experiences, and but uh, you have to learn how to feel these things for yourself. And before that light bulb can can go off and you can understand, you know, oh, this is what those crazy sounding people were talking about, you know. Um, <laughs> and so if you're listening to this, if you and uh, and you think that we've just been talking a bunch of woo woo or you don't, uh, you know, you don't want to believe in the energy system or any of this, then, you know, take a few minutes to to look inward like Murray was talking about. I mean, you have to have. I certainly didn't believe this stuff before I started doing Tai Chi and I, and I still, I mean, I was skeptical. I'm as skeptical as anyone. Um, but eventually you'd have to realize that guess what? You, you're not just a mind in a vat. You do are connected to a body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you start looking inward, like Marae is talking about and doing some of these practices, some, some real viable meditation practices or ceremonial practices or participating Matic, in ritual, work. Uh, you'll feel it you'll feel it and you'll know that it's real. So um, thanks again for, for the work that you're doing. If you have any last comments or, and, and let people know uh, where they can find your work. Is there a website you want me to send people to? Sure. Uh, so um, my website is the sacredbody.earth. And um, I guess I would say that um in some way, again, it doesn't really matter what one believes. You believe in afterlife or God or this or that. When we, in beginning these practices, it, it really is about our felt experience, as you've said, and yeah. coming into the here and now. And actually, the rest of it doesn't really matter. It really, it really doesn't. You know, we can engage uh, different. Um, systems in different ways, different philosophies, but the here and the now, that is the great mystery. That is the experience of the paradox of life and the the beauty inherent within our breath. So I think for ourselves and living in this completely disembodied culture, uh, 
coming into the very simple experience of of the the felt breath the felt the felt movement somatic practice all of these things begin to support the um the growth process regardless again of what you believe to be true the growth process because we don't have to believe in the same thing to believe that we're here and that it's important to grow it's important to be open and curious and to learn so uh i think that is a direction to kind of begin that kind of work and i really hope uh that 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 is useful and helpful and i and thank you for having me today definitely a pleasure and honor i don't often sit and talk about these things for two hours right so it was really uh lovely actually well, and hopefully it's uh yeah hopefully it's helping to build that kind of community that we're talking about i mean um yeah it was kind of the it seemed to be the theme of the conversation and and definitely uh, as you brought it up i just thought about how important that has become uh because so many of us are doing this like experimentation on our own to try to figure this stuff out and we do need to find those elders that that have held on to the the knowledge of the wisdom tradition and we do need to have the community of people uh, that can help us through these often difficult transitions um so maybe the conversation could get out there and help at least build the community by a couple more people <laughs> we'll send a few <laughs> people to your website Marie. <laughs> Thank all right you. And I'll, uh, I'll just let people know you've been listening to The Shift, and I have been your host. My name is Doug McKenty. You can find uh, all my episodes of The Shift and um, dozens of other shows that I've produced at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, go there, sign up for the newsletter. I also have a blog on Substack called The Populist Papers. It's mostly um, political writing, but I get into some of the spiritual stuff sometimes. Um, and it's I'm, I'm getting happier and happier to have these kinds of conversations than political arguments any day. So <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to try to keep this up for my own sanity. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to go down that sort of political divide. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. the never ending. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, Marae, and have a great day. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. You bet. Take care. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and there you go. That was my conversation with artist Marae Hieronymus. Uh, I wanted to have her on. I've been wanting to do uh, some more spiritual, some more artistic shows, not just kind of the hard-hitting political episodes that I often do. Uh, and I was happy to find her stuff. Uh, she's a Facebook friend of mine. And when I looked her up, I mean, I, I found that she was not just a dancer, but she'd also written a couple of books. And, and uh, the one in particular, Systems of Indoctrination and the Wild Rose of the Soul, really grabbed my attention. And I, and I was happy to have this conversation um, because we could really get into this discussion about um, not just the, the sort of intellectual side of this movement, this shift, whatever you want to call it, um, but uh, also the artistic side and how the two really need to balance each other out, really need to come together. Um, and also her concept of the importance of ritual and especially these rites of passage or these initiation rituals uh, in terms of helping us to transform from being raised within these systems of indoctrination into a world that can include the wild rose of the soul, uh, I think is uh, actually really spot on. I'd like to... 
uh, in terms of the overall concept of the show, making the shift really involves uh, learning from these older wisdom traditions, these pre-colonized traditions, um, and starting to, uh, I guess the best way to say it is recreate the myths of the ages. I think the, the underlying archetypal mythologies that uh, are used in the present day in this patriarchal system uh, really are a form of simple indoctrination. And the vast majority of people these days, if you're within the colonized empire, if you will, uh, that's been growing over the last 2,000 years or so, um, really spreading across the globe. She mentioned in the book, actually, uh, the mind virus concept, the Wittigo, uh, that Paul Levy, who I've, I've interviewed before, discusses. Uh, I think so many of us have been infected by this that we've almost forgotten the kind of wisdom that happened within the cultures that we came from pre-colonization. And in order to, I mean, we have to really do the work to bring this knowledge back, right? And that's exactly what Murray is working on. Um, on the political side of all of this, Something uh, that I've been thinking a lot about lately is just wondering what's going on with the political conversation that's happening in the country today. And in terms of this new postmodern, quote unquote, woke ideology, the identity politics, uh, and, and all of this other stuff that's going on, it seems that if you disagree with identity politics, then you're instantly branded a, a fascist or a white nationalist and all of these other things. And it's just... Uh, become so absurd. It, it literally feels like a clown world. Uh, it's like opposite day every day when we try to talk about politics. Uh, people have the worst. Uh, they think the worst uh, about others, which instead of engaging in, in, in real dialogue, uh, it's just not happening. I, of course, I think Murray would probably agree with this, think there's a larger agenda, a divide and conquer agenda behind this. Uh, I was just reading an article out of the Brownstone Institute the other day that showed the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been spent by the uh, upper-class elite foundations in order to promote this new woke agenda, in order to promote um, this identity politics agenda, uh, which I think should make people really question if the upper classes are pushing this, is this the best, you know, is this the best way forward uh, in terms of creating or generating bottom unity against the, uh, apparently the wealth inequality, this upper class that uh, progressivism purports to be fighting against. Um, and so I was happy to have this conversation with Murray because there is a different way of interpreting history that those of us, I call it populist revisionist history, call it what you will, um, have engaged in, and it provides a different paradigm from which instead of the Marxist left-right paradigm that we all deal with every day and the progressive movement relies on for these political arguments, and I think that's why it's so difficult to have conversations with these people when they only think that this paradigm must be true and they can't think outside of it. Well, Murray uh, does think outside of this box, and we talk about, when we talk about patriarchy, we're not just talking about people with penises uh, running the corporate system, right? We're talking about an archetype, a, a, a psychological program that has been fed to so many of us in, in this post-colonized period um, that indoctrinates us, as she says, in systems of indoctrination, uh, with this uh, particular paradigm of thinking that automatically makes assumptions about our relationship with political power. Uh, and what myself and what Murray believe is that we really need to learn how to individuate ourselves outside of this 
relationship with power. It's not about, it's not all about political power and fighting for our share of this pie and that people of all identities should have a piece of this pie. It's about dismantling these systems of power uh, and psychologically recognizing uh, the power of, of individuation. And so we have really deep conversations, I think, that like the one that I just had uh, with Murray about what needs to change culturally in order to dismantle these systems of power. And so when we talk about colonization, we're not just talking about, you know, white people uh, going to Africa and taking slaves and then enslaving people physically. We're talking about people, all people, all colonized people uh, being enslaved in the mind uh, with these patriarchal archetypes. So there's a lot more going on here than just these systems of power and how to get your piece of the pie. Uh, there's a, an entire psychological system, a psycho-spiritual system, that is a patriarchal system. So how do we combat this? Well, Murray uh, really discusses how we need to bring ceremony back, especially these uh, initiation rituals and these rites of passage. She talks about uh, becoming a mother and how it would have been really helpful for her to have uh, to understand that transition uh, through an, uh, the, the ceremony that can empower you with an understanding that this is what it means to go from you know, pre-parenthood into post-parenthood because it's a huge change in your life. I think that rites of passage for young people into adulthood to really delineate you know, that you were a child, you had the innocence of youth, now you are an adult and you need to be part of the, you know, an adult member of the community. Um, ideas like respecting your elders. This whole idea of, of uh, living in accordance with understanding your place along your life cycle. Um, I think it's just, it's, a, it's, it's the big shift that needs to be taken from uh, this materialistic uh, worldview uh, the, the scientific historical dialectics that we're all taught when we think about how cultures evolve um, and really shifting away from thinking in this from this materialistic way to realizing that we're all here to grow psycho-spiritually and in order to do that you know we need to be doing this shadow work healing our inner selves uh, healing the generational trauma that's been caused by this oppression because the oppression is based on essentially creating a trauma bond with authority figures. This is perpetuated in uh, colonial colonizing pedagogies, oppressive pedagogies that are basically the, the, the mainstay of public education, right? The, these militarized systems that create these hierarchies. And then we're all just taught that, you know, Either you're chosen to go to university, get the PhD, you know, maybe participate in the classified programs where you can learn some of the secrets at the top of the hierarchy or uh, become a politician and learn some of the secrets, become nouveau rich. You know, this whole, this whole um, hierarchical system where the vast majority of people are just taught that you're going to be at the bottom of the pyramid and you need to be able to do what you're told just listen to the experts, right? Not think for yourself. And the, and the converse of this is not identity politics where we all fight to get a piece of the pie because we know the upper classes aren't going to actually give us the piece of the pie. It's like these, these guys are, these identity, identity politics is getting everybody to, to fight for quote unquote diversity within the corporate hierarchy. So, you know, people of color can be uh, upper or middle management. More people of color can be upper or middle management within the hierarchical system 
what Murray and I are talking about is dismantling the hierarchical system, right? Um, and it's just so sad because so often these conversations devolve into getting called a fascist or a white nationalist or a racist, also, I think, by design, so that we can't have these deeper conversations about spirituality and psychological archetypes, which are the ones that we need to have if we're going to trans if we're going to if we're going to transition from an archetype, uh, a patriarchal archetype of hierarchy of authoritarianism into a world where we all individuate, respect each other's individual rights, create boundaries uh, between these systems of authority and our personal beliefs uh, and our personhood and our physical bodies, actually, as we've all experienced in the last couple of years. So uh, I was really happy to be able to talk about this very important topic with Murray and excited also about the work that she does, because not only did she write books like this, um, but she's also a dancer, so she's got that physical element. And I think it's important to know that part of this transition is getting out of the mind, which is where <laughs> where these these Western this Western culture really focuses its energy just on thinking, you know, think, think, think. Uh, and and think for the system, for the hierarchy. We have jobs where we go uh, and and we think up the the new technologies that the upper classes are then going to use oftentimes to oppress us <laughs> and then of course we have jobs where we work our butts off physically uh, but also giving it all up to the system it's all given up to the system we're alienated from ourselves and this is what really needs to change uh, and as a dancer Murray is able to take all of these thoughts sure she's got to think up uh, you know what are the archetypes she wants to express in her art what is the choreography that she wants, but she's also really moving her body, and this creates the holistic mind-body connection that I think we all need to go through uh, in order to individuate, in order to empower ourselves, to see this the, the system of colonization for what it is, and then to transcend that and try to help make a better world for the seventh generation down the road. So, um, you know, really happy to be able to talk to her. And if you're interested in uh, finding out more about her work, then please go to www.thesacredbody.earth. Uh, you'll be able to find her work there. There are videos there of her dance routines, uh, as well as links to get the books. And I certainly recommend the one that I read, Systems of Indoctrination and the Wild Rose of the Soul. Uh, so I hope you guys all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Uh, again, really important concepts in terms of, of shifting the archetypes, the underlying archetypes, the mythological structures that I think are most responsible for keeping all of us in bondage uh, and keeping those at the top of the pyramid in power. Uh, we got the numbers, right? So they have to use these, these psychological techniques uh, to keep us down. And most of us have learned, uh, like with Stockholm Syndrome, to actually identify with the oppressor uh, and help maintain the system of oppression, unfortunately. So it's going to take a lot of raising awareness to change things. Uh, as always, you can catch all of my stuff. I've now got hundreds of interviews posted up at www.theshiftnow.com. I'd also like to announce that uh, I have just recently gotten a job, which is great because I can fund the production of more content. It'll probably mean that I'll be producing a little bit less, at least for the next couple of months as I, as I get into the job. But um, Fortunately, and almost miraculously, the job is with ThriveOn.com. If you guys have seen the Thrive documentary and you're familiar with the work of Foster Gamble, I'm going to be their social media manager. So I get to work in the scene. I'm really happy about that, uh, and I'll keep you updated 
um, as things change and as I start to produce more content. So again, um, my website is www.theshiftnow.com. You can also catch all of my written work uh, at the Populist Papers blog on Substack. And uh, I don't have anything else actually lined up. I'm starting the new job tomorrow, but hopefully in the next uh, week or two, I'll start to kind of slowly produce things uh, and start to get into a rhythm where I can at least produce two or three interviews uh, a month working with them. They uh, have been adamant that I must continue, so uh, I don't think they're going to overwhelm me with work to the point where I don't have time to do this. <laughs> so we'll keep you all in the loop. Uh, and thanks again for, for checking this out. Uh, go to theshiftnow.com and sign up for the newsletter, and I'll keep you appraised when I get the new stuff coming out. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and you guys have a great week. Take care. Mm -hmm.